welcome to today's episode of The Bird is the Word, Penn Lies Philadelphia Eagles podcast. I am your host, Daniel Gallant, and I'm joined by Penn Lies Philadelphia Eagles beat writer, Aaron Kaznitz. How are you doing today, Aaron? I'm great, man. Very good. Things are things are well. We're, uh, if you're listening to this podcast on Friday, I believe that's the first day of fall. It's the first day of fall, and we're coming up on week three of the NFL season. Divisional yep. play is starting. Yeah, it's it's really really fall now. It's fall, man. Break out the pumpkin spice lattes. Break out the uh, the pumpkin patches. Break out the just the pumpkins. Today did kind of remind me of summer though, because it's pretty hot this morning and it's also trash day. Oh man! So you kind of have that like trash summer vibe going on, which the musk. As I as I got out into the into the world this morning, that was not really what I was expecting, and it was is not not very pleasant. It is hot walking over here. My my back is a little bit sweaty. It's not really not okay. So it's fall, but it's, it's not really yeah. fall. But we all know the way that the seasons work. That six a.m. Friday, everything will change immediately. Oh, it's going to be sixty degrees. Right sunny some clouds leaves are going to start changing right away and then exactly we'll little be, drops we'll of ready. apple cider will fall from the sky oh man i'm i'm really excited for this um and home opener yeah i yeah. mean it's a it's a good good kind of uh i guess fresh start sort of you know it's new season home opener football is i guess finally officially back in philadelphia yeah. unless you count the preseason which now nah. nah. um and it's I mean, even better than just home opener, it's the Giants. So you got division rival Sunday afternoon. Yeah, should be game. should be a lot of fun. Um, overall, you know, how do you kind of feel? It's it's here. What are you looking forward to? Yes, and from the Eagles' perspective, I think it's they're in the perfect spot to generate excitement, right? If they were two and zero and they had beat the Chiefs in Kansas City, the football world would be paying attention to the Eagles right now. They're not quite there, but. By beating the Redskins on the road, which is a tough, good, tough win, and by sticking with the Chiefs, I think there's the the right mix of which you don't always get in Philadelphia. There's the right mix of optimism, but also people are grounded to reality, and I think that's a really good way to have your home opener, where everyone's excited to see what Carson Wentz and, and the Eagles do in year two. But I don't think expectations are unrealistic at this point in the season. One of the reasons why expectations are a little aren't unrealistic at this point has been the offensive line play uh so far that was thought to be a pretty decent strength uh coming into the year it's not they've already made their first lineup change uh after week two uh what's going to look different uh on sunday right so uh reporters are allowed to watch the first five ten minutes of practice uh every day where they're just allowed to do individual drills and warm-ups and stuff and when we were watching uh, Chance Warmack was doing drills next to Jason Peters, Jason Kelsey, the starters, right? So we leave, we come back in the locker room. A few players, a lot of players playing a coy. A few players say, yeah, Chance Warmack was the starting left guard, which means, in all likelihood, Chance Warmack will replace Isaac Samalu as the starting left guard for uh, for the Eagles this week, which, uh, you know, it's interesting. So, Samalu was a third round pick one year ago the Eagles have been very high on him everybody from the coach to the coordinator to the position coach um, Greg Salland has just been consistently um, very consistently praising Sayamalu talking about how smart he is how versatile he is and the fact that they would go away from him after two games I think is is a sign it's a sign about a lot of things 
Number one, that the Eagles are confident in Chance Warmack. And number two, that they they see an opportunity to compete this year in, in the NFC East. They're not sitting around and, and waiting for a guy to develop. They need good play on the offensive line immediately. So for just a, a little bit of a, of a timeline, we're recording Thursday morning. This is going to go up Friday morning. Sorry about that. And then Thursday after later this morning yeah. or Thursday morning you'll have a better idea right. of what kind of what the deal will be exactly and, and we won't talk to coach Peterson until after we publish this podcast on Friday so we still won't have an official word from the team but in all likelihood Chance Warmack, who was a first round number 10 overall pick in 2013 will start at left guard in place of Isaac Samuel. Uh, what does Chance Warmack bring that might be a little bit different from Sam Alu, or is it something where it's just kind of hard to tell? Yeah, I mean, it is hard to tell. Uh, Warmack's kind of known as a better run blocker, which, and, and he, he doesn't have quite the same versatility as Samalu, but he's a little bit stronger, I think, and a little bit better of a run blocker, which could be a sign that the Eagles really do want to establish the run against the Giants defense that has struggled against the run a little bit. This, this would be the week if the Eagles can get back to the run game where the Giants have a good pass rush, but their run defense is a little little sluggish. Maybe maybe this is the week they do it, and Warmack, because of his strength, uh, should be able to provide a boost there. Um, and then the other thing is just experience. He struggled a lot in Tennessee. That's, that's why he was available for the Eagles to sign to a one-year deal, which they ended up extending, but still. You know, the Eagles got him cheap because he struggled in Tennessee. That said, he made 48 starts in Tennessee. Uh, Samalo had a couple starts last year, but I think he had four starts, but only one was at left guard, one was at right tackle. He was never the full-time starter. Uh, Warmack was a full-time NFL starter for four years. It was at right guard, but still, you know, guard position. And I think having that experience, uh, coupled with his familiarity with, with Stoutland, the offensive line coach, really does give the Eagles confidence that he might not come in and be a pro bowler, but he can come in and 100% certainty provide strong play. I think that's that's how the Eagles coaches view it. Another position that's experiencing a bit of a shakeup, not because of performance, but because of injury, has been safeties. Oh, yeah. Where Rodney McLeod, Jalen Watkins, and Corey Graham were all out uh, of practice this week with hamstring injuries, which... I mean, I feel like that's kind of a common, a bit of a common injury, injury for some of the skilled position players, but right. to have that three in, one three, week. <laughs> three in one week is a little, eh. but I mean, what are they going to do? What, what can they do? Yeah. So, I mean, right now the safeties on their roster who practiced Wednesday, uh, were the only listed safeties were Chris Maragos, who hasn't played a def- I think he's played like two defensive snaps the past two years. Um, Chris Maragos and... Malcolm Jenkins. So Jenkins is a starter. He's captain. He'll be out there. Mary goes, he, he played his, he, he's a special teams guy, special teams captain. Played a good amount of defense. I think Chip Kelly's last year, maybe the year before, just, just because of injuries and stuff um, and rotations. But he's the guy who on the depth chart would fill in. That said, we don't know about Corey Graham. Corey Graham seems to be the one of the three Eagles safeties. Watkins, McLeod, Corey Graham are the ones who are out. Uh, Graham seems to be the one. He didn't leave the game with his injury, so he seems most likely to play. And if he plays, then the Eagles should be fine um, in terms of having two legitimate starters out there. If not, if you bring Maragos in, you got a guy who doesn't have that much defensive experience, isn't totally suited to be a defensive starter. Uh, The other guy who the Eagles, the way Jim Schwartz said it, was they were gassing him up on the sideline. (laughs) 
to get ready to play uh, in the game in case Corey Graham did go out is Camus Grugier Hill, who's another special, total special teams guy, listed as a linebacker, but started his career at Northern Illinois as a safety. And um, he told us in the locker room that he hasn't, he didn't backpedal, you know, practice backpedaling in <laughs> five or six years, but he did, and he was ready to play. And he's he's kind of got the build to play safety, if need be. Uh, so he's another option. They signed this guy Trey Elston, um, who we should learn more about. But he was an All American at Ole Miss a couple years ago. Uh, bounced around. He was undrafted last year. Bounced around the league. Uh, played for the Bills as a special teamer earlier this season. Got waived by the Bills Tuesday. Eagles um, claimed him off waivers on Wednesday. So he'll be in the building, but he'll only have two days. So I don't know if he's going to be ready. So my guess would be the Eagles are really hoping that Corey Graham can play and he'll be the safety. If not, we could see a mix of Marigos. We could see Grugier Hill back there, which would be interesting. We could also see them mix some things up. Uh, one thing Malcolm Jenkins suggested was Patrick Robinson's a veteran. who's never played safety, but he's veteran cornerback. He's been covering slot receivers. Well, if you move Dexter McDougal in to cover slot receivers, which they signed him to be a backup nickel to cover slot receivers, mm-hmm. you can push Robinson back, and he's got a little bit more experience and maybe it would feel a little more comfortable with the position switch. Lots of options, lots of lots of things they can do. None that are particularly appealing, <laughs> but I think the Eagles see some opportunities where they can take advantage of things on the Giants' offense and, and maybe negate the, the negative effect that the injuries in the secondary would have. Speaking of the Eagles secondary, they've been tested pretty early uh, this year. You had Terrell Pryor in week one with Washington, Tyreek Hill uh, week two in Kansas City, and now week three you get Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, Maybe who, healthy. A, a sort of healthy, a limited, some version of Odell Beckham um, coming in with the Giants offense. How do you kind of see that shaking out uh, on Sunday? Yeah, um, I mean, we, we talked about it with the issues in the secondary. The Eagles have to move some pieces around, and I think they would do that anyways if they were going to guard Odell Beckham Jr. because, you know, Jalen Mills is the guy who probably would be their number one corner. He's the guy who's a cornerback, who was a starter, who's healthy. Ronald Darby is, is out with a dislocated ankle. So he's the number one cornerback, but at the same time, he's not really a speedster. He's more of a, you know, a guy whose competitiveness gets him by. So maybe the Eagles think they can... Uh, have a better matchup with Rasul Douglas. Maybe they want Rasul Douglas, who's tall and lanky, to guard Brandon Marshall on the other side. Mills will come over and guard Odell Beckham. We don't know how that will shake out, um, but I think the one constant, and we'll talk about this throughout the podcast, is the Eagles' defensive line. Um, If Odell Beckham Jr. is healthy, and if Eli Manning has time to throw him the ball and and Beckham has time to run routes down the field, that's probably going to be a problem for the Eagles. If the defensive line can take advantage of a, of a Giants offensive line that's been really bad the first two weeks, if they can get to Eli Manning the way they got to Kirk Cousins in week one, uh, that's going to be a good sign. Not only for the Eagles' defensive line for getting them, but that's going to take pressure off the secondary because they won't need to cover for as long. And I think that is going to be the key to the, to the game on, on Sunday in a lot of ways. With the defensive line, uh, left tackle Eric Flowers for the Giants has been probably the one guy who I feel like has kind of gotten at least, you know, as someone who is on the outside, I've heard his name the most. Yeah. Um, and he'll get Vinnie Curry, Derek Barnett uh, this week. Maybe a little bit of Brandon Graham, depending on, on the side, yeah. you know, how things, how things move around. But mostly Curry and Barnett, which I think makes it pretty compelling because... 
Finney Curry, you know, came into camp and he was a guy where people were like, oh, we don't really know if he's right. for long here. He missed that sack on Alex Smith. You know, Derek Barnett is a rookie who got kind of pushed out of the way on that long cream hunt touchdown run, right. was good in preseason, haven't really seen much in regular season. So this could be the chance for both of those guys to kind of break, break out. out. Yeah, no doubt. And um, it was interesting. Ben McAdoo, he had his conference call with Eagles reporters yesterday, and he he was asked, you know, why didn't you give more help to Eric Flowers, who was clearly struggling the first two weeks. And he said that that's just not how it works. When you protect with five guys, maybe six if you keep a tight end or running back in, you can't help the same guy every play. And I think his quote was um, offensive tackles, block pass rushers in this league that's what they do so to me that signals that there's gonna be one-on-ones that he's not planning to chip with a tight end and send help extra and you really can't on the left side of the line if you're the giants because the eagles strength unlike a lot of teams is on the other side where they have left defensive end brandon graham going against right tackles and fletcher cox on that side as well so uh to me you're gonna see a lot of one-on-ones you're going to see Vinny Curry have opportunities against a guy who's struggling. And Vinny Curry has a great, I mean, whatever you want to say about him, he can get off the ball and he can get towards the pass rusher. You know, his full repertoire of moves, his strength, his ability to bring quarterbacks down, that's all in question. But he can get off the line and cause troubles for offensive tackles. Barnett, obviously we saw in the preseason what he could do playing against mostly second teamers. So you're absolutely right. This is a game where those guys can break out. And if they do it's going to cause a lot of trouble for Eli Manning because if you got the if you got the guys on that side of the line, on the right side of the defensive line, causing havoc, then you can't worry quite as much about Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox, and then they're going to cause havoc. So um, I think that's a big matchup for sure, whoever is pass rushing against Eric Flowers. Switching sides to the uh, Eagles offensive line against the Giants defensive line. We talked about Chance Warmack a little bit earlier. Um, you know, the Giants' defensive line might not have some of the same kind of pass rushers that... Or they still yeah. have the pass rushers, but it might not really be kind of... It compares like pretty similarly to the Redskins in Week 1, I feel like. Because you have guys like Jason Pierre-Paul, Olivier right. Vernon. You, you got the speed off the edge. Yeah. They and, play a 4-3. The Giants play a 4-3 as opposed to a 3-4. Mm-hmm. But yes, no, they've got the speed off the edge, but some good players in the middle as well. And you know, the middle of the Eagles' offensive line is kind of where we've seen the struggles. So how do you kind of see that matchup going? Yeah, no, I think it's big. It's it's definitely one of those situations. We talked about maybe Chance Warmack could help in the running game. Well, you know, he's got to do it. You're playing against a really good 4-3 front, and when you have Olivier Vernon and Jason Pierre-Paul coming at the edges and you got a guy like Snacks Harrison in the middle causing havoc, you're, you really need that, that left guard to win his battle. That's, that's really the one spot on the Giants' defensive line where maybe you can attack a little bit. So I think that's going to be key, no doubt, if Chance Warmack can hold his own at least. Um, and I think Jason Kelsey is going to be key on, on Sunday because he's the leader of that offensive line, right? He makes the protection calls. Um, he's, he's the guy who's got to keep things together. Now, I mean, Jason Peters is the team captain. He's been there forever. He's probably the most respected player on the team. But Kelsey is the guy in the middle who sees it all. And I think for him, he's got to take ownership and and get guys in the right spot, make sure Warmack's feeling comfortable. And if he plays well and if Warmack plays well, the Eagles will be in a good spot. But this isn't the best week to solve your offensive line problems. The Giants' defensive line is very, very good. 
Yeah, it, it just kind of seems like the way that the, the first three weeks of the season has broke. On the one hand, it's kind of been almost a positive because it's shown the Eagles now instead of later mm-hmm. that, oh, there might be some problems with Sam Ali. You know, these things might not be right. kind of like where you are. But at the same time, it's sort of like, are they ever going to get settled? Are they ever going to have that kind of game where you're like, okay, like this is kind of what we have. This is what they can do uh, when all the circumstances are breaking right. Yeah, and it's from one perspective, it's encouraging that they really struggled on the offensive line and came away with one road win and, and stuck with the Chiefs. Um, and the other perspective, you're not going to be able to last long if Carson Wentz is running for his life the way he has been the first two weeks. And you're right, it, they figured it out early in the season that something wasn't right. Will Chance Warmack be the answer? I guess we might not find out on Sunday, but we'll at least start to get some of the answers. One of the bigger matchups that, you know, isn't in the trenches, isn't, you know, some sort of chess match, I think is a little bit more straight up, is what can the Eagles defense do against Eli Manning? Um, He struggled the first two weeks of the season, but he has that kind of pedigree where you know that he can put up some numbers, you know that he can make some plays, you know that he has weapons around him. Uh, How do you kind of see this shaking out with what you've seen from the Eagles defense so far and what you've seen a little bit from Eli uh, these first two weeks? Yeah, I mean, there's so many moving parts to this, right? Because Eli Manning, like any quarterback in his position, uh, would be so much better if Odell Beckham Jr. is healthy and making plays um, since he's been hurt with that sprained ankle. Uh, Another moving factor is the offensive line, which we've talked about a ton, but the Giants offensive line really struggled. And if you know, Eli's not a guy. He's not Carson Wentz. He's not going to escape the pocket and make throws uh, quite in the same manner. Um, you know, we mentioned earlier, Eli's completing 70-something percent of his passes. He's still a good quarterback. He's still, you know, he's still a good decision maker. He still comes to the line and audibles and gets guys in the right spot. He does a lot of things well. He doesn't have room to make plays. The Giants' offense, because of their struggles up front, haven't gotten into a rhythm but if I'm the Eagles, I'm not feeling great about, you know, I'm not, I'm not looking at those two losses and saying, ah, oh, hallelujah, we finally get a breather against a bad offense. I don't think that's the case because I think Eli Manning knows the Eagles so well, a lot of the same personnel linebackers and, and defensive backs who he's played with in the past. Um, he knows the Eagles well. If he's got to help the Odell Beckham, we haven't seen Odell Beckham fully healthy for a game this year. That makes the Giants tough no matter how bad they've been playing. Um, and what I think it's going to come down to is, you know, like we talked about, if, if the Eagles can pressure Eli Manning, you're going to be in trouble, or Eli Manning's going to be in trouble. If they can't, I think we're going to see Eli Manning's going to be able to find soft spots in that defense, especially considering the injuries in the secondary. And last year in, in one of their meetings, Eli threw all over them. Oh, I mean, he four he, touchdowns in the in the win and yeah, yeah, the he, Giants win. He picked them apart, and I mean, the the cast has changed. A little bit, but <laughs> given the injuries, right. it's not as different maybe as, as kind of we, we thought it was. Right, as much like fun as we could poke at Leotis McKelvin, the cornerback last year, who really struggled against the Giants. Um, you know, Rasul Douglas will be making his second NFL appearance. Is he that much better than, than um, Leotis McKelvin? Jalen uh, Mills has made a big jump from year one to year two, it seems like. But last year, he was on the bench for a lot of that game because they didn't feel comfortable putting him out there. Uh, 
and Leos McAlvin got burned. So is he really that much better of an option than Leos McAlvin <laughs> when he wasn't a year ago? Oh, man. Um, Jalen Watkins really struggled in that game, and he's hurt now, but if he wasn't, he would probably be starting either at safety or at cornerback. Um, so, yeah, you're right. It's only a year removed from Eli thrown all over the, the Eagles' secondary. Um, things have improved, I think, in the Eagles' not just secondary but defense. But I just if you have those memories – uh, and your Jim Schwartz or your Malcolm Jenkins guys who've been there for the last couple of years, you have those memories of Eli, you can't be feeling that good about yourself. And Eli is just one of those quarterbacks where every time that people say, like, oh, he's done, he's finished, you know, he's it's over, right. he's, you know, comes out and has a great game, goes right. on like a mini run, wins a Super Bowl, exactly. something bizarre. And then, and then once people are like, man, he's great, he throws five interceptions. So we don't know. We don't know what could happen. <laughs> Uh, you never do with Eli Manning. Yeah, it's it's just interesting. Like, this Giants offense, I mean, Ben McAdoo is regarded as, as a pretty good offensive mind. And so it's just, you know, it's sort of a thing where these first two weeks, are they just trying to, like, you know, put the pieces together, you know, and then it'll kick into gear? Or is are there kind of longer, like, structural things that, that they have to figure out? And I think a big key for the Eagles is to kind of, not be the team where the Giants figure that out against. Right, exactly. And I'm going to repeat it because I've said it so often. (laughs) If the defensive line... I mean, the Giants' offensive line has been their Achilles heel. The Eagles' defensive line has been far and away their greatest strength. Mm -hmm. That's what it's going to come down to. The Eagles' defensive line can't just outplay the Giants' offensive line. I think that's expected. They have to dominate. And if they dominate, I think we'll probably see a game where it's like 20-7 to and the Eagles win because the Giants can't get anything going. If they don't... We're not going to get in a shootout. These are two defensive, you know, strength. Both these teams have strengths on defense. But if they don't get a ton of pressure, Eli can burn you. And we know Odell Beckham can burn you. As we mentioned at the top of the show, Friday is the autumnal equinox. Love it. Uh, it's officially fall uh, in name, even if it isn't necessarily in temperature or feeling Uh, and so for our final segment we're gonna change it up a little bit and talk about the seasons i love seasons all the seasons (laughs) uh we went through last actually from a discussion on wednesday night we were talking about seasons do we like uh hot september how do we kind of feel about when it's a little unseasonal with what you want and we kind of started talking about the order that we started ranking the seasons we gotta rank the seasons i came up with Number one, fall. Number two, spring. Number three, winter. And number four, summer. All right. See, that's where it's a little tricky for me because I can't, I don't understand why you go summer number four. When you were a kid, did you not love going to the mm-hmm. beach? Well, what, what's your, what's your top four? Um, I'll hit my ranking. Fall is number one. I'll agree with you there. Uh, we, we talked about it at the beginning of the show, which I think is why we're so excited to talk about seasons. Love the fall. Love, love when it gets a little cool, when we get some, you know, leaves to crunch under your feet. Um, number two, I'll rank summer because I love to grill. Number three, we'll go spring and four, winter. Uh, don't have that big of a problem with winter, but out of the four, like you kind of kind of get stuck there. All right. So my thing with summer is a, it's hot. It is I hot. I don't like it where I you take the trash out and then you have to go take a shower. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, both of us grew up in the Mid Atlantic. So I feel like that this kind of colors uh, our oh, definitely. our opinion of it a little bit where, I mean, you grew up outside of D.C., I grew up outside of Baltimore. It's not fun. No. no it's I mean, humid. 
humid. If you, I mean, Philly it is too, but if for some reason you're listening from somewhere else, it is humid, and that makes it sticky. Yeah, and so I, I don't like it where you go outside, you immediately start sweating. You know, you got to take two showers to, you know, make yourself presentable, something right. like that. I mean, that that's my, my biggest thing with summer is that it's just kind of, it, it's hard to do stuff. I understand that. Um, I just think, you know, in summer there's so many berries that are in season. Uh, one of my favorite things to do is just spend a day um, outdoors, whether, whatever it is, whether you're on the beach, you can do that in the summer because you can go in the pool or, or, or go to the beach or whatever, or just go to a park and find some shade and you can grill. And the other thing, the really the, the kicker for me with summer is summer nights are just amazing to me when it cools down and it's like, you know, nine o'clock. So you, maybe the, maybe the sun just set. That's like, to me, that's the perfect weather because you're never hot in that scenario, but you're never cold. And at least in the around the mid-Atlantic, the humidity kind of goes away when the sun isn't there. And those nights when you're, you know, grilling or, you know, having a bonfire or just hanging out outdoors, getting a drink, maybe, maybe going to an outdoor coffee shop or outdoor bar or an outdoor restaurant on a summer night, that's just, to me, that's perfect in terms of, and, and we're talking about like outdoor seasons, you know, mm-hmm. everybody, you can have a really good summer, really good winter because of personal reasons. But to me, that type of weather, those type of environments, I'm going to take summer over both spring and winter because of that. That's maybe like the only concession I can really <laughs> give with summer is that, you know, those nights are good. Mm-hmm. But on the flip side, I've gone to a couple of baseball games where I went to an Orioles game last summer in Baltimore where 705, 705 start so hot it started to rain and there were no clouds Mm -hmm. directly directly overhead it was just i think my friend said that the the sky was crying it was so hot so miserable that it was just kind of like what like what's the point right but i'll take doing this i'll take those days over winter days that are freezing personally Mm -hmm. and i i just think you know you can find shade you can get one of those little those little fans that wheel around and then you squirt water at you, you can do that. I feel like there's more ways around it when in the winter it's just miserable. And I would even put uh, summer over spring only because I think so much of spring is like you get excited because winter's finally ending, but it's just it's like building up to summer. And then summer is where like, all right, now we can grill outside. Now we can, uh, you know, have bonfires. Now we can sit on the porch. See, I appreciate winter because I feel like if you don't have winter then all the other seasons kind of lose their uh lose yeah, their no. lose their appeal lose lose kind of like the the positive things with them. <laughs> so winter just brings you down it's like you can't have highs without the low so you appreciate the low is that what you're saying yeah i mean like you know when it's Fair when enough. it's really cold outside you just kind of you, you lean into it no, um you know there's something kind of like not like refreshing isn't isn't the right word for it no, but I get it. you know when you go outside there's no leaves on the trees everything's dead you get that kind of very like faded pink sunset you're sort of like all right like you know that this isn't the best right now but you know things are going to be okay i like winter because everything's dead that's essentially what you're what uh, don't don't don't, t- don't twist me but <laughs> you know i spent the summer in california and it was the thing where it rained once when I was there. Uh-huh. Yeah, I was there for three months, and then there were two days in the middle of July where it was just overcast. Mm-hmm. The marine layer or whatever didn't burn off for whatever reason, and it was it was kind of nice. It uh-huh. was nice not to see the sun for you know forty eight hours yeah, or no, something like that. I see that. that the summer gets long and hot, um, so I totally understand that. 
And I like the winter, too. I, it's hard to rank the seasons only because when we're talking about things you like to do in the seasons, you know, that are, that are seasonal things, um, I enjoy a lot of them. What I obviously don't like is when you get stuck in snow. When, when I just hate walking outside when it's freezing. I hate having to have layers on, you know? Like, mm-hmm. uh, yes, the hot days are, are bad, but I'd much rather go out with, a, with flip-flops and shorts and a t-shirt than having to bundle up to, to even yeah. try and stay warm. See, I'm fine with putting the hoodie underneath the jacket, the jacket and then yeah. maybe another jacket. I like that a little bit more than Being the... Being sweaty. You know, I'm just wearing a light t-shirt and I look like I swam across the Delaware River. Fair enough. After and being I, outside for 15 minutes. I understand that. So we're going to agree to disagree on that. And I, like I said, I like winter. I'm, I know that's number four on my list because there's not as much seasonal food around and because just the cold can stop you from doing things and ice is bad. Um, but I mean, man, like a like a light snow and you can get some flavored coffee or maybe tomato soup and grilled cheese. Like, that's great to me. I don't mind going out when it's when it's chilly to hang out or whatever. Um, but I, I just summer is those summer nights, man. Those grilling by the lake or grilling by you know in our case we got we got a park right by the river right near. Uh, my house in Philadelphia, and man, you just go out there, you grill, you play some spike ball. Would highly recommend that, and that's an amazing summer day. I don't think you get that in winter. Yeah, I I see where we're going from. I think the the thing that we're taking away from this is that we agree to disagree. <laughs> and if you have takes, if you want to tell me that I'm wrong for not really liking summer, go ahead and do it. Yeah, this is a hot take, man. If, if you want to tell Aaron that he should appreciate winter more. Uh, Feel free and tell him that, too. I mean, I'll make a snowman with you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Bird is the Word, Penn Lives Philadelphia Eagles podcast. I'm Daniel Gallen. You can reach me on Twitter at DanielJTGallen uh, to tell me why summer is bad or why summer is good. Or you can agree with you. It doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly. Come agree with me. That'll make me feel better. Or you can email me, dgallon at penlive.com. Yeah, and as we're wrapping up, I want to give a shout out to a, a Twitter follower who actually did give a comment to us. Tim Bade, uh, our, our friend from uh, from college and in Baltimore. So thanks to him. Uh, we'll talk about that eventually. But for you guys, reach out to us on Twitter. I'm at Aaron Kaz Reports And uh, email acasnets at penlive.com. Uh, Jeremy Schneider also uh, has preemptively ah. told me that my take is bad. Okay. So that's that's also some progress. Uh, but yeah, tell us, to- tell us what we're wrong about. Tell us what we're right about. Uh, we, we appreciate any feedback we can get. Shout out to Jeremy Schneider as well as Tim Bain. Thanks, guys. We'll be back on Tuesday with another episode in between Friday morning and Tuesday for all your Eagles, Giants, wants and needs. Check out penlive.com slash Philadelphia Eagles or like the Facebook page, uh, which is Philadelphia Eagles on Penn Live. Yep, sounds good. You can find our podcast on iTunes, right? SoundCloud? Apple Podcasts and on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash penlive.com. All right. See ya.